people start thinking about our overall profit margin. So they want to order so much to get that item down to the lowest dollar, thinking they're going to make all that margin. And don't think about what happens if I have to write off a big part of that. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It is great to have you here. We have a fascinating episode coming up. In this episode, I get to chat to someone who is managing multiple D2C e-commerce brands in different sectors and driving his team and his brands to success. There are loads of great tips in here about inventory. We've got a bit on marketing, a bit on structuring your team, decision-making, strategy, lots of great advice coming up. So please do make sure you listen right to the end of the episode so you don't miss out on my guest's top tips as well as our more general conversation. Plus, if you listen to the end, you'll get my take on this episode. Are you looking for ways to incorporate SMS and MMS into your marketing strategy? Well, you should be. A great way to do it is to add marketing text to your current campaigns. And with wildly successful transaction rates up to 481% higher, birthday offers are a good place to start. Send customers a birthday offer to the channel that's almost always at hand, their mobile device. And if they don't make a purchase, send a follow-up text in two days' time so your message doesn't get overlooked. Get more campaign ideas and see how AI-powered marketing automation is changing e-commerce at ecmp.info forward slash bloomreach. That's ecmp.info slash B-L-O-O-M-R-E-A-C-H. Learn more with Bloomreach. Visit ecmp.info forward slash bloomreach today. And now to introduce our special guest. Alan Marshall is the CEO at Upexi, a creator, acquirer and scaler of D2C and Amazon brands, including Vitametica, Cubes Vitamin Gummies and Titan Tiles. Alan invested in and took control of Upexi in March 2019. They did $44 million in the year to June 2022 and are on track for over $100 million in the calendar year 2023. Hello, Alan. Hello, Chloe. Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate the time. Uh, great to have you on the show and congrats on all you've achieved already with Upexi. Well, thank you very much. It's been, a, it's been an exciting couple of years for us. And how did you get started in e-commerce? Because your journey didn't begin with Upexi, did it? No, my, my, my journey began a long time ago now, but uh, in Canada, started a, a logistics company when I was really young and sold that and moved to moved to the U.S. in 94. And, and then I built a, another uh, logistics company starting the end of in 1999. Built that for about seven years. It's now one of the largest uh, logistics companies in America, XPO Logistics. And then I uh, really worked on just private equity, finding great companies, making private investments, and, and spent a lot of time you know, working with uh, private equity groups and smaller businesses kind of giving input and helping with capital and helping build businesses. And then uh, so that, that kind of brought me to Upexi. And Upexi was such a good opportunity. You had to go all in. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of. I just, 
you know, I met the, I met the team. I'd never been in, kind of involved in retail before. It just just interested me. Had great margins, great business. So I, I ended up investing enough money to take control and and kind of came out of semi retirement in uh, March of 2019. And I really decided to build out this, this platform of of brands. And clearly, it's going very well for you. So tell us, I you know, I kind of quickly went through the brands. Do you want to tell us a bit more about the brands and uh, you know where they're based, who the customers are, those those sort of things? Sure. Yes. We really focused on kind of what I would consider you know, almost, uh, I guess, non-discretionary recession-proof businesses that I, that I understand. So one is we, we are health and wellness. We, it's a Vitamed- Vitamedica is one of our biggest brands in there. And you basically, it, it's health, wellness products. The, the, the target audience is females between 30 and, and, and up. It also has a, a little segment of the business, which is mostly wholesale and not, you know, direct-to-consumer that's surgery recovery products for any kind of plastic surgeries or, or, or repair of surgeries. A lot of doctors recommend it. Um, another one of the areas we really are focused on is pets. So we, we bought uh, another brand not too long ago, Lucky Tail. It makes kind of pet products, nail grinders. Later this year, we're hoping to, to launch into you know, supplements for pets and help helping you know their coats or uh, health and their health and wellness and. Uh, and one of our most exciting new categories we just purchased was Titan Tiles. It's a educational kind of tile, a magnetic tile brand. It was the number two seller on Walmart.com during Cyber Week, and we launched it into Walmart in in January. The product sold uh, almost sold out uh, to their critical levels within the first six weeks. They they doubled the order, and uh, now they've ordered for all, all 3,900 stores. For the second half of the year, so that that brand's going really well for us. Really surprising, actually. You know, we we anticipated just having 1,900 stores this year, and and then we're launching four or five new educational products this year as well. So, been pretty exciting for me coming from logistics, uh, moving stuff to actually making, building, distributing, advertising. It's been a, it's been an interesting learning curve, but super exciting so far. And the company's grown, you know, from seven million when I took over in 19 to now, hopefully this year in 2023, we'll do almost 100 million. And Alan, I think some people will be, what, they managed to get it into Walmart as they're listening? You're not channel focused. You know, it's not like you're across the brand. You're like, every, everything must be on this channel. You take quite a um, putting the product or the brand into the right channel approach. So how do you go about working out where to place the products to get them in front of the consumer? Our goal when we started was to stay, you know, digital, direct to consumer, higher margins, kind of high, like higher flow, easier to to manage your inventory levels. Big buck distribution is it's a great outlet, but it requires a lot of capital, and there's a lot of risk you take on that. So, we really start by testing uh, direct to consumer, Amazon, you know, Walmart.com, any digital channels. There's so many we can go into. We woot, you know, we use a lot of them to test the products. Our last entry into into big box was almost accidental. It sold so well on on, on digital that they wanted the product in store. I mean, our, our business is so scalable, direct to consumer, and Amazon and other electronic, you know, I guess digital e commerce was just more profitable for us. But I, I would say we didn't intend to do it, but now it's um, it's just a natural evolution of the business for, for us. I guess as, as you get to scale, you get more and more opportunities. So we're just capitalizing on where the market tells us to go. I think that's, that's 
so often the key to success is not trying to force yourself into a channel, but going, oh, well, Walmart want to buy it. So, all right, let's find a way of making this happen without it jeopardizing the rest of our business. Yeah, it, it really, it, you know, we stayed to our core competency for the first two years. And part of our profitability and growth was just staying true to that. Like, I never understood. So our, our we have pretty good margin business. And to go out and to put it into wholesalers or brick and mortar, I always seemed like I have to give them the product at such a big discount. If they get stuck with it or don't sell it or don't give it the proper shelf space, the next thing you know, it's available on their site, discounted to where they would buy it from from us. So I never really wanted to open our brands up to that kind of dilemma. And we had been scaling so rapidly and so profitably, we never felt the need to do that. But uh, Titan Tiles is a little little different product, and we just we just like the opportunities. I mean, it's available now in Camping World and a lot a lot of great locations. When you think about people would say, well, what a great idea. In the end, we never thought about it that way, but what a great idea to have like a kid's educational tile toy available on Camping World because what do kids want to do when they go camping? Play games. use, And the last thing you want them to do is playing their, you know, their video games. So it's it just worked out to be where our, our team has really been really efficient at finding great opportunities for each of our brands. And whilst you're doing great things on the front end, you're also doing some, some quite brave things on the back end for your brands as well, Alan. Um, you've, you've built your whole own manufacturing and fulfillment system, which is, which is one big old roll of the dice to do in the D2C space. So how did that come about? It was really just efficiency. So when I first took over, one of the biggest problems we had uh, and we, we only do this in some of our in our, our gummy brands and some of our health and wellness brands. But one of the biggest problems we had, we were placing large orders with, you know, co-packers, and they just failed to meet, you know, either the quality standards or the timeline, couldn't do R&D quick enough for us. So when I took over, we decided, like, this is our biggest problem today. Let's just solve it. We worked with uh, actually a company out of uh, the U.K., and bought our own manufacturing line for our gummies and for some of our vitamin brands. And we built out our own manufacturing line to control that part of our, our, our supply chain. And fortunately for us, which worked out really well, was, I mean, nothing fortunate about COVID, COVID, but no one else could manufacture at that point in time. And we were able to get approval to manufacture all of that. So it really helped grow our business. So I would say a lot of, a little bit of forethought, and a lot of luck ended up being, you know, a great opportunity for us. And it really helped grow our brands uh, year over year and also just control our inventory. We've had very few, you know, inventory glitches or service failures uh, in most of our brands. Yeah, I think it, if you've got to be in an adaptable scenario, as we all have over the last kind of four years, having control over key parts of your business is is so essential. And you mentioned there also about inventory levels. You run you run a fairly tight ship on inventory. And the reason I bring it up is because so many businesses have been struggling this year with huge piles of excess stock. How do you go about achieving the growth you're achieving without having warehouses full of unnecessary stock? Any tips for the listeners? Well, you know, not everybody can can build their own manufacturing facility. So, you, 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 I would say that 
A lot of mistakes I've seen in this business is where people start thinking about our overall profit margin. So they want to order so much to get that item down to the lowest dollar, thinking they're going to make all that margin. And don't think about what happens if I have to write off a big part of that. That's a lot of risk for a small business. And I really don't, I think it's an unacceptable risk from my, from my point of view. So I've seen, as we've been buying companies, some, that's the biggest mistake I've, I've seen people make. You know, they have a great product, great margin, and the team sits down and says, well, we can get it for $2 a unit if we buy this many, you know, this high amount of units, not thinking that you're, if, you, if you don't sell them all or something happens, that's a significant cash flow drain for you. So I would say, you know, scaling incrementally and not looking at that with a, with a longer term view is a much more prudent way to go for small businesses. And one of the other parts, as you mentioned, inventory, if you look at, there's another part of our business, which we are an inventory liquidator. So as we, <laughs> we own another online brand called Signet, it's an Amazon liquidator. And we, Amazon, we, we actually liquidate overstocked inventory. And we, we just bought another company called Netty Central, which liquidates overstock inventory as well. You'll find on our site, we, we liquidate for Walmart, for BJ, Sam's Club, Apple, Microsoft, Lenovo, Dell. So as we've been building out the one side of it, managing our inventory, we've also figured out that there was another niche available to us with all the brands we do work with or the retailers we work with. And our, our supply, our, our distribution channel had gotten so big that we were able to, to, to do significant liquidations for people. So. Just another little, hopefully it works out for us. It was another thing we saw on the way the market was telling us there's a need for this. So we've kind of plugged that as well. I love that. So as well as learning from everyone else's excess stock problems, you found a way to, to earn money off them and help them out and solve that problem. I really love that. And I guess it's uh, having the, that side of the business keeps your own team very focused on not building up excess stock too. Yeah, it, it does. And we, like I said, we've been, we've been very good at it and a lot of credit to our team for managing that properly. And it's, it's something we really focus on. You know, every dollar you don't have to write off is a dollar, you know, it's, it's two or two or three dollars you don't have to make. So we're, we're, we're super focused on on those kind of, that, that kind of metrics. Yeah, and I think it, it is a bit of a mindset shift, isn't it? I think we, as consumers, you'll go, oh, there's a three for two on that. It's gonna take me two years to use it all, but I'll go for the three for two deal. And you know, even if the, you don't quite realize what the product's gonna go off in that time time span, so you just personally end up kind of writing it off. It's, it is, but then you step back from the numbers, like you were saying, and you kind of go, well, actually, it's gonna take us so long to clear this. We're gonna end up discounting it by more than the saving on the initial buy. So I guess it, it's it's just being a little bit, Shifting the mindset from kind of abundance to scarcity would be my simplistic take on it. Does that ring true with how you change things? It kind of, yeah, it, it kind of does ring true. And also just, just proper use of your capital, right? I mean, everyone who's listening to these podcasts or a lot of people who listen to these, these things, I mean, cash flow is king. And as you're growing your cash flow, you think it gets bigger, but it actually gets smaller because you're making more money, but you're spending more money faster to, to make that. So a mistake like that is very, very, you know, detrimental to the business. So that, that's the way I think about it on all levels, on, on, on all scale. Protect the cash. Simple to say. <laughs> Harder to put hard into to practice. Do. Yeah, because you think, oh, I sold 10000 and I made $5 a unit. And if I buy 50,000, I would have made $8 a unit. The, the, the problem is you only have to write off a small portion of those to give all of that back. 
it's hard because you, you know, you, you're trying to grow your business and you want that opportunity. It's an interesting thing that you'll always have happen in your business, you know, and you can't always make the best decision or the, or the right decision because you can't just tell what the market's going to do. No, and that is very true. So we mentioned your team a couple of times. They're running multiple kind of D2C brands. They're running some wholesale activity. They're running these excess stock uh, liquidating operations. How many of them are there in your team and how do you divide them up between the, is it by brand uh, split? Is it by skill set split? How do you go about managing that? So we think about it as we have a team almost three teams. So we have a development team that's devving out all the technology behind that and all of the, the, all the brands talking behind each other and all your checkout pages. And then we have a, we have a copywriting team that's writing all of your sales copy and all of your your emails and your drip emails. And, you know, and then we have, you know, an ad team that's each ad team works on its own brand, but then they will try to work globally as well on all the brands kind of sharing ideas and opportunities and, and networks and affiliate networks. And then we have an overall growth team on the management team that's looking at each of those projects. And we really do break it down to percentage points. So when we see the numbers every month, we look at every percentage point, how they've trailed. So if last month your ad budget was 33% and this month is 34%, we want to know why, how did that turn out? It, you know, business is really a game of small, small percentages. So, so, so we have basically a base team that's done doing all the support. Then we have a team for each brand. And then we have an over kind of site team that's, you know, helping all of the, you know, kind of put together all of that data and then discussing it internally. So as much as like the, the remote work thing um, that everyone's involved in, we, we, we understand it and we like it, but that collaboration of each of those teams on a regular basis really leads to really good things. So I would tell everyone, it's great to do to spend a lot of time working, you know, remotely and working on your projects. But the collaboration is, are the moments in time where all of your ideas and thoughts come together, and you'll you'll get a lot out of those those moments in time, and to make them as as, as often as possible. And for that collaboration, are you you know, do you have like uh, one week a month? Everyone has to be back at home base. Is it each brand has an away day, or or have you found a way to do the collaboration online? How does that look for you guys? We do all of it. We do in office, we do meetings, we do, you know, weekly conference calls across each of the, each of the ad teams do call calls all the time. Management does calls two or three times a week, just looking for information and letting it process. And then, and then we do do, you know, monthly or, or biweekly meetings in the office as well. I love it. I, I always think it's, there is no one solution to creating collaboration, even if you're all in the, in the same office. There's, we've got so many tools available these days. You have to take advantage of the best of each of them to get the best out of the team. So I love the way you've just run through that, Alan. And with all, I mean, you know, you've got so much going on with Upexi at the moment across all the different brands. What's the thing that's got you most excited for the year ahead? <laughs> so, you know, each of our brands has an interesting opportunity. So we look at, I look at each of those opportunities for the pet space, we're really excited about launching into new verticals, and for the the health and wellness, the same thing. Uh, new verticals, new products. We've been doing some R and D on uh, on a new acne product. So, 
our Titan Tiles brand, which has been great for us. We've got we've got a new Titan Cube coming out. We've got four other great products that we're looking forward to getting. The testing is still going on, and so we really get excited about when they start to launch and the advertising and how they do. And and then also, you know, one of our main part of business is acquiring these great brands. The, there are so many great brands that were born out of this digital e-commerce Amazon phenomena, right? Like. Amazon was the was the first to, to really create this platform where people could learn how to sell a product and, and get business to a certain size. I, I think there are, a lot of them or most of them are limited to, to scale on Amazon. But we love I love meeting those entrepreneurs and find a way to make them part of our business. So I look forward to that. We I talk to great companies all the time with great opportunities. I love, you know, trying to find a way to bring them on to be one of our brands and help them, one, let them use our resources to grow that business bigger, and then overall helping us grow our business bigger while we do that. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Are you looking for ways to incorporate SMS and MMS into your marketing strategy? Well, you should be. A great way to do it is to add marketing text to your current campaigns. And with wildly successful transaction rates up to 481% higher, birthday offers are a good place to start. Send customers a birthday offer to the channel that's almost always at hand, their mobile device. And if they don't make a purchase, send a follow-up text in two days' time so your message doesn't get overlooked. Get more campaign ideas and see how AI-powered marketing automation is changing e-commerce at ecmp.info forward slash bloomreach. That's ecmp.info slash B-L-O-O-M-R-E-A-C-H. Learn more with Bloomreach. Visit ecmp.info forward slash Bloomreach today. Are you tying up capital with goods that take months to arrive? Let Trade pay your supplier invoices for you and then pay them back up to four months later. No security, no dilution, no more cash flow headaches. Pay only a transparent flat fee with each financed invoice. Learn more or apply to see if Trade can help your business grow at ecmp.info forward slash trade. That's ecmp.info forward slash T-R-E-Y-D. So that's Trade spelt T-R-E-Y-D. It's time for the Top Tips round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Alan, are you ready for the top tips? Let's, I am ready for them. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I'm going to recommend two. Good to Great by Jim Collins and The Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger. I love Good to Great. I think that's one of the best books out there for understanding business. So totally seconding that one. The second book, though, I haven't heard before. What was it called again, Alan? It was a book by Bob Iger, The Ride of a Lifetime. I'm going to have to add that to my wish list. Okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I leave all advertising networks on the same level, but the top tool tip for me is don't lose a customer. 
customer service, customer service, customer service. Yeah, agree. So important, especially in this year um, with all that's happening around us. Got to, got to look after those customers. Okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient day to day? We do. We use, we use Slack. Um, I, lo- I love having all of the channels so we can collaborate together on channels. I get to see all of their thoughts. I get to interject when I want to. And also just being on those channels, you know, knowing I'm like the silent watcher. I won't say anything for a month and then all of a sudden I'll say, hey, what about this idea? That seems great. So I really love watching our, t- our team collaborate on channels and each brand has its own channel, each network, each all the devs. So it really is a great tool to, for us to use and, and to see everything that's going on. Sometimes it is information overload and you need to shut it off like at, at least at midnight. So <laughs> yeah, definitely turn it off so you can sleep. Um, it, it, it's, it's a real game changer though when you've got those distributed teams working on different projects across different brands and everything else. It kind of keeps all that thought process in some kind of order, I suppose, doesn't it? It does. It does. It is, it, it, it re- it is so interesting. It's almost, uh, it's almost a little addicting, but... Um, I've, I've learned to tune it out at certain times. Yeah, yeah it can be a, become a little bit addictive. Be careful, everybody. The last one then is the carbon top tip. What's your favorite way to reduce the carbon footprint of an e-commerce store? I don't, you know, our, our business runs that way. So when we when we moved into this big facility, we changed out all, all of the lights for LED lighting. We, you know, we've kind of done all the things we can do in our building, but on an e-commerce store, all of our packaging is also recyclable. Uh, we do take a look at that. We do, I guess we do look at it. My team looks at it all the time because they said, hey, listen, we're now using smaller bottles, thinner caps. So we think about that across all, all of our brands, more being more responsible than thinking about carbon, uh, but just, just being a responsible vendor. And, and our, our customers actually really like it. So It does seem to be something which you, is just part of every discussion and then... The cust- you know, whether you're really broadcasting it to the customers or not, they do seem to respond well as you make things smaller and the better packaging and all the rest of it. So, um, so thank you for that. Alan, before we say goodbye, could you please remind the listeners where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Sure. So um, our company can be found at upexi.com for our website. And then you can also, we, we do trade on the NASDAQ. The symbol is UPXI. You can find out a lot of detailed information on our business, on our revenue, on our growth. Alan, you've given us such such sensible but also difficult to do advice i think you've got us all talk all, all thinking which is the you know the aim so thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh being so generous sharing everything with us well thank you very much again chloe i really appreciate it and uh look forward to talking again in the future me too i always find it really fascinating catching up with someone who is running multiple e-commerce brands and all those other bits and pieces that Alan has going on there because it gives you I think they they come at it with so much more focus on where to spend the effort where the strategic important points are and also 
little bit more hard-nosed around the decisions they make because, you know, at the end of the day, it's a decision between do we put the cash in that brand or in that brand? And you've got options, which I think always makes you a bit more hard-nosed. I particularly liked uh, what he was saying around where they choose to sell and how it's driven by both profit and people kind of requesting them to be on that channel. So they kind of follow the money, I would say, in many ways with that. The focus on solving the biggest problem that you have which led them to create their own manufacturing facility for vitamins and so forth. And then the way in which they're enabling, setting up the team for success, but also the rigor they're putting around that in terms of accountability and in terms of helping people collaborate in this, this newfound team structure world we find ourselves in. So thoroughly enjoyed that chat. I hope you found it inspiring and interesting too. You can get your hands on our notes about the episode, including the top tips and links to what we mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or use our special direct episode links. That's ECMP, short for ecommercemasterplan.info forward slash whatever the number of this episode is. And that will take you straight to the correct page on the website. Once you get there, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business, like our recent mini series on how to deal with excess stock and avoid it in the first place. So if you've enjoyed that, then you really, really should um, check out all that content that you will find at ecmp.info forward slash overstock. Now, if you like this episode and you'd like to hear from someone else who's running multiple e-commerce brands, then check out episode 416, which is where Raf from Verl Invest joined me to talk about how they manage their brands. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with your businesses, including progressing along the path to net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have an excellent week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. Don't miss out. It's time you joined Chloe's e-commerce club, our free club that's all about helping you grow your e-commerce store. Join right now for free at ecmp.info forward slash club.